one. Hi, it's the 15th of February, 2019. This is the Room Now podcast. I'm Dr. Jack Cush coming to you from RWCS in Maui, where we've had a very exciting meeting, really good proceedings. You can follow that on Room Now. You can follow that on the rwcs.com website. That's r-w-c-s.com uh, and a lot of good content. Today in the news, we're gonna talk about what happens when you combine PSA with tempo, it equals scene. Is there such a thing as ANA negative lupus? I think we have some genetic information about that. And should RA be managed by genetics, seropositivity, lifestyle? Are those important? All that and more. At the top of the news, we're gonna talk about a study that comes uh, from a large database of pediatric lupus patients. And they specifically looked at almost uh, 6,000 SLE admissions uh, and compared that to other controls. But what they showed in this 56, 7,900 SLE admissions, these are kids with lupus, they showed that 12.4% of them had pericardial effusion at admission. So PCE, what was that associated with? It was actually associated with a higher rate of mortality uh, and a very significant 2.5-fold higher risk of mortality if you were admitted with pericardial effusion. Now, again, these are hospital records. People would have done an echo for a reason. These were not everybody being scanned or ultrasound for pericardial effusion, but this is a fairly high number, 12.5% with a 2.5 higher risk of um, death and a 1.5 higher risk of uh, readmission in the next 30 days, suggesting that serositis on admission is a poor prognostic finding in pediatric lupus. Another uh, lupus study looked at what happens when you use contraceptives. Uh, in fact, what they looked at, not almost 1,000 uh, lupus patients in our registry showed that the combined use of hormonal contraceptives uh, or the use of combined hormonal contraceptives was really low, only 8%. Uh, and nearly half of those took them, were taking them in the face of possible contraindications. So that number was 8% was lower than the general population. Uh, and that if you consider the fact that even of those, many of them had contraindications, there's a large unmet need. So the contraindications, what would that have been? It was mostly antiphospholipid syndrome, uh, hypertension, migraine with R, 22%. So the point here is that there's a, a large unmet need as far as how to use contraceptive agents in patients with lupus, and guess what? In the next few months, you're gonna see guidelines coming out from the ACR, a paper by Lisa Samaritano um, uh, and a reproductive health group that looked at new guidelines on how to manage rheumatic disease in people who are pregnant. Uh, look for that, it's coming out in the next few months. An interesting study looked at the, the genetics of individuals and how it associates with disease. So using what was called uh, Mendelian randomization methods, this very large study of a UK data, data bank of patients showed that uric acid was associated with gout. No big surprises. But it would also show that uric acid was not associated with reductions in renal function as measured, measured by the estimated GFR, or, nor with an overall diagnosis of CKD. So we, we, know we worry about this association and how to treat patients with renal disease. It is not a genetically programmed thing. It is not inherent. Um, to uric acid. So again, the, the association was not between uric acid and EGFR and CKD risk. Telling you that you know the, those are consequences but not necessarily due to uh, serum uric acid. An interesting study looked at the association between biologics and serious infectious events. This is a claims data association. 
and it looked at what happens after you take your first TNF inhibitor, what your next choice is, and then what the risk of infection may be. So it already starts out with a uh, defined population that has higher risk. They've already moved on from their first to their next TNF inhibitor. Turns out that when you use tocilizumab after failing one TNF inhibitor, there's no higher risk of infection. However, um, the SIE risk was higher in tocilizumab compared to TNF um, or abatacept uh, otherwise. So if you've just failed one TNF, but for being initiated on a biologic, not failing a TNF inhibitor, but being initiated on a biologic, choosing tocilizumab first was associated with a statistically higher risk of SIE. Again, this is very large data, it's claims data, it's a little confusing, um, and most of you have to use a TNF inhibitor as your first biologic anyway. So this could be a reporting bias and a selection bias as to who gets on tocilizumab uh, agent at the, as first drug. Maybe they have other issues and contraindications. So I'm not sure that it means tocilizumab has a much higher risk, but I want to be aware of this report. I think you should be aware of there's probably holes in the data. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, in my opinion, other reports that we've done, most of the biologics have roughly the same risk of a serious infectious event. An interesting look at lupus patients, looked at patients um, who have different cytokine profiles. They sort of subset lupus patients, whether they had um, a, a, a higher or lower levels of, of uh, I, uh, interferon alpha, or interferon gamma, I should say, TNF-alpha, uh, IL-1223, um, and they basically then looked at, um, let me go back, they subsetted their lupus patients based on whether or not they were positive for SSA, SSB, RNP, APL, and the other group being multiple autoantibodies. And then they looked at cytokine profiles in those different groups. They found out amongst all the patients who were uh, in those different groups, they roughly had the same cytokine derangements and abnormalities, nothing revealing. What they did find was ANA negative patients were clearly different. They had much lower levels of interferon alpha, TNF alpha, uh, interferon gamma, IL-12, IL-23 um, uh, antibodies, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, levels. So the point here is that there's something not too different about most lupus patients, but very different about ANA-negative lupus patients, suggesting I think that that really is a, a disorder or not lupus. And I think there's been a lot of questions recently about lupus patients and the, the impreciseness of ANAs. Uh, I've always taught there is no such thing as ANA negative lupus anymore, and I know there's a few cases out there, but if you've diagnosed this in more than two people in your large cohort, you're making a wrong diagnosis. You're diagnosing fibromyalgia uh, and calling it lupus because I think this is incredibly rare. But I think we need to see more research like this that says, in this case, there is in fact a cytokine difference. Um, some interesting reports that we wrote articles about this week on Room Now. One was the uh, lack of an added value of an MRI um, in guiding therapy. This is the, um, an RA study. It's been um, uh, just published. It's 200 patients who are randomized to either conventional management uh, or management that was guided by MRIs. The point being that you had to have no marrow edema and no progression, et cetera. Uh, and the interesting thing about the study is it enrolled people who had relatively um, control disease. They had to have a DAS 28 CRP of less than 3.2. Uh, and it turns out that whether you were managed according to MRI or according to conventional management techniques, 
the outcomes were the same. The remission rates were very high in both 85 and 88 percent respectively. And similarly, lack of uh, x-ray progression was high in 66 and 62 percent. Again, suggesting that using a much finer, much more sensitive measure of MRI to guide therapy probably is not a good idea. This data is in line with the Arctic study and something called the TASER study that we've written about, saying that uh, while those tests are good for diagnosis and maybe even staging some people, they're not good tools to guide therapy. Uh, an interesting study comes from Lars Klarskog's group, again about the, the subject of smoking and the shared epitope, the HLA-DR beta-1 epitope in seropositive RA and its predictive value. As you know, he's published that um, smoking uh, is a very bad factor, especially in patients who are uh, HLA-DR beta-1 positive. Uh, in this particular study, they subsetted out the patients according to whether they had rheumatoid factor and CCP and showed that if you had both rheumatoid factor and CCP um, and you were a smoker, your odds of, uh, of getting RA were now tenfold higher than the, uh, all the controls. Uh, and that was much higher than even patients who were uh, rheumatoid factor but CCP negative. Somewhat in between were the patients who were CCP positive and rheumatoid factor negative. They seemed to have half that rate. The bottom line on this is that uh, double positive is a bad risk factor. And it's probably not a bad risk factor for, um, for people with established diseases. It's probably a bad risk factor for people who have preclinical RA as well. And our last report is the, the SEAM study. The SEAM study was uh, almost 900 patients who had psoriatic arthritis. Somewhat early, mean disease duration around, uh, median disease duration around three years. Uh, and they had psoriatic arthritis and they were and relatively naive to therapy. And they were randomized to either receive methotrexate or um, a Tanercept or both, the combination. That is basically the Tempo study design used in rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, and in the end, uh, at 24 weeks, uh, the outcomes, it was 851 patients, by the way, um, the ACR20 results were 51% for methotrexate, 61% for etanercept, and not much different when it was methotrexate plus etanercept, 65%. So the surprise here was that the combination wasn't better than both. Surprise here was that uh, etanercept um, and metho is equal to etanercept plus methotrexate, meaning that methotrexate doesn't add anything once you're using etanercept. The surprise here was that methotrexate did better than everybody expected, including me. I'm a big disbeliever in methotrexate's eff efficacy in methotrexate based on the data that's already been out there, which is poor, and based on my own experience. But in this study, um, you know, 50% of patients respond to methotrexate, and that's somewhat encouraging. The high-end responses were also different. Uh, ACR70 responses, 14% with methotrexate, 29% double that in uh, uh, Tanercept, and about the same, 28% if you're on the combination. So there is a, an advantage of Etanercept over methotrexate. The data here suggests methotrexate may play a role in some patients with psoriatic arthritis. So that's it for this week on Room Now and our podcast. Make sure you go to the website. You can click on these links to learn more. Make sure you go and check out roomnow.live. It is a, an, a, a real unique event. I think it's gonna be a, an opportunity for you to lead, teach, and integrate with your peers and researchers um, in, in Room Now Live, you're going to be the program. You're the focus of the program. Check it out at the website. Thank you very much.